Hello, this is one of our old episodes where our sound quality isn't quite so good and we're a bit amateur. <laughs> yeah, now we're pros and we've spoken about a lot more things and our sound quality is a lot better as you can hear currently. Yes, yeah, so enjoy the show anyway. Thank On you. the show. <laughs> Welcome to the curiosity of a child's Halloween special. <laughs> this week, a coven of wicked witches kick us treats. And then we are joined by four more guests as monsters come into the studio to battle out in the arena to find the finest Halloween beast to go trick or treating with. Yeah, it could be a bit of a spooky episode, this one. But before we get into things, what have you been up to since last episode? I've gone to the fairy ring. Okay. And what can you tell me about that? Every month, on a full moon, the fairies would come to the fairy ring and dance around it, but then the ones who didn't dance would sit there and judge. Yeah, so there's almost like fairy X Factor. No, it's more like fairies strictly. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a story about the fairy ring too. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, when I was studying at university, I was out one evening and this is during the first few kind of weeks there, so you're getting to know people. Mm-hmm. And I was chatting to this girl, and so she'd asked where I came from, so I said Guernsey. She said, oh, no way, I've been to Guernsey. So like, have you? She's like, yeah, there's a fairy ring, isn't there? I was like, that's right. And uh, she said, yeah, when I visited the fairy ring, I walked inside it, and I was taken back to 1943. That's, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a bit of an odd story, so I very slowly walked away from her. <laughs> yeah, you did the right thing there. <laughs> So what else have you been doing? I've been making Stone Age tools out of flint and some stones. So what you do is you get some larger stones and then some flint and you hit these stones and shape it, um, hit the flint and shape it with your stone. Yeah, you get like a large granite stone, so there's lots over here, and then you use it to smash at the flint to shape it. So we were down the beach last weekend, wasn't it? Making yeah. those and uh, got some impressive results actually. Yeah. I'm surprised how much flint there was, actually, as uh, well. We had lots of flint. I think we were quite lucky when yeah. we first went down there, because there's no flint, that's, or flint banks, actually, around the island, so um, it's just in small patches further out to yeah. sea, and it's just luck that the waves bring them in or not. And on with the show. <laughs> come closer, yes, come closer. Do you like treats now? We are going to make a delicious concoction of trick and treats. Come closer, sisters. Yes, Mistress Rickstein. Gather round. I need the juice of 37 insects and their eggs. Thank you, sister. Now we must mix in these secretions of 14 lacquer bugs. Thank you. Yes, mix them up now. Stir it. Stir it. Do you have a scraping of red algae? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Smells tasty. 
Now, sister, how are the crossbones coming along? We need the crossbones and ligaments of a cow and two little pigs. <laughs> I don't know what happened to the third one. He got away. Alright, I'm just getting that now. Here you go. Thank you. Pop them in the cauldron. Boil and bubble! Bubble and boil! <laughs> now, Milton, three candles worth of beeswax. <laughs> bubble through the cauldron. Laughing gas. <laughs> Now we must leave it to boil and bubble further until it becomes a thick, gloopy paste. And then we wrap it up in sweet sauce. <laughs> Thank you, sisters. Um, they're a little bit creepy, those aren't they? <laughs> Not sure I like them. Um, I wonder what they're up to. Don't say that, they might come after you. They might do, actually. It's Halloween, looming. Okay, during episode one, when I was speaking about the history of turmeric in our spice tasting feature, I mentioned that they use it to create an E number, which is E100. Yeah, and you very first E number. Yeah, that's right. And you were asking what E numbers were, weren't you? Mm -hmm. The E stands for Europe, and they are a list of substances that are permitted for use as food additives by the European Union. So they're a way to try and standardise um, and make safe things that we can add to our food for, say, colouring, flavouring to help preserve it, or maybe aid in the cooking process, etc. Mm -hmm. And they're meant to be tested for safety. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to be harmful. Now, in recent years, e-numbers have got a bad reputation. And it's true about many of them, but not all of them. And they're not all harmful. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you get that on lots of things, right? Yeah. yeah. Now, many of the ingredients that were in that witch's spell might actually be found in your typical uh, trick-or-treat hoard of sweets. So, let's... so you could get some lacquer bugs. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> let's find out more, shall we? Yeah. E number 120, natural red four or carmine. So this is actually extracted from the bodies and eggs of the conitial insect. Actually, before I asked, are E numbers just in food? Mm-hmm. But they're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was actually used as a clothes dye in North America at least as early as the 1400s. And it was kind of traded between the native First Nations people and sort of Europeans when they went over. But today, Peru is the largest producer. And the insects are actually farmed in tubes, which are hung on cacti. <laughs> cacti? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so that's what they feed on. So they yeah. put little tubes on and they can collect them. <clears throat> now the insects themselves, they're only a few millimetres big. Um, and then they're heated in an oven or in water or steamed. And <laughs> the different process they use produces a different range of... That's very kind colors. of them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how many insects do they need? Well, one kilogram of dye could take maybe 80 to 100,000 of these little insects to make. They're very small. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? So here is some um, wool that's been dyed with the red, so it's not just mm -hmm. used for food. Um, it's also used in lipstick. Lips? <laughs> yeah. I um, think that's put the, my mum off lipstick now. <laughs> yeah, so when you see kind of a, a lady walking down the street or something with bright red lips, she's probably wearing insects on her mouth. Or crossed up insects. 
Um, but, and there are other cosmetics and also foods such as biscuits, sweets, sauces, jams, all sorts. <laughs> Moving on is E904, shellac. Now this is formed from the lac bog, which is an insect native to India and Thailand. But rather than use the insects themselves, they use its secretions. What are they? Um, well, it produces this kind of natural resin, which I've got a picture of it here. Look at that. That's cool, isn't it? That looks like... That actually looks like some glass, and a bit like honeycomb, when it's been dried off and smoothed out. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, yeah. So it's sold in flakes, which can be dissolved in alcohol, and then they'll be used for colouring or a natural glaze, so to make food shiny. It's also been used as a hide-loss varnish for wood, <laughs> and even used to make records, so you know... Records, like the discs. Yeah, the musical, yeah, yeah, like what we have vinyl, yeah. Next is E406 agar. agar. <laughs> this one comes from algae and may have been first discovered in 1658 when a Japanese innkeeper threw away some surplus seaweed soup. <laughs> and then after leaving it out overnight in the freezing cold, he noticed that it had become kind of thick and gelled. And it's very popular in Asian cookery where it can be found in puddings and in jellies and things. It's also used, um, we'd use it if we want kind of a vegetarian, yeah, sort of friendly. So lots thickener. of things in jelly and jams. <laughs> now next up is E441 or gelatine. Now this is similar to agar, but it comes from animals, not algae. <laughs> and it's made from the collagen taken from the bones, skin and ligaments, etc. Mm. of animals. And it's used in loads of things. So tell me, which of these do you like? Ice cream? Yep. Yogurt? Yep. Marshmallows? Yep. Gummy sweets? Mm, sort of. Lots of other things that are tasty and yummy and sweet and delicious? Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably used in lots of those. I'm not having them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of when you start thinking where they come from, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Next up is E901 or beeswax. Buzzy, buzzy beeswax. Now, this doesn't seem quite as disgusting as some of the others. It's not like a squished-up <laughs> animal. Now, the worker bees create the wax using glands on their body, um, and they use it to form the hexagonal cells, like you can see here, and you would have yeah. seen before. You see in the, um, the bee movie as well, they yes. that, those sections. Yeah, do you know why they're hexagonal? No. Nope. Because it's a really strong shape, and it's also a really efficient way, how they all fit together. So it's a great way of yeah. getting as much as you can into as small a space yeah, as you can. Yeah, because squares aren't particularly strong, and also, they you can't really fit them together. You'd get about half the, around half the amount that you can get there. Yeah, yeah, it's not a stronger structure. So they use the cells for storing their honey and their larva. It's influenced kind of engineers and architects and uh, structure engineers and mm -hmm. all sorts to... Um, how they can build bigger structures. Yeah. So you, could probably, you could probably build a honeycomb wall yeah. if you had enough. Well, they'll do that. So you have maybe in, um, say, a, a wing of an aircraft, they'll make it out of aluminium or some other kind of light metal, but they'll use a honeycomb-shaped lattice where rather than having a solid metal, they can just use a structure of this honeycomb shape. Yeah. So they've got less material being used, but it's, so it's lighter, but still very strong. Beeswax has been used for thousands of years for waterproofing, casting moulds, polish, and of course, candles. <laughs> it's also edible and is used as a glazing agent to make tasty things look shiny. Yeah, we actually had one of our topics from mm -hmm. year four. We saw a candle at Handy Museum mm -hmm. and then we 
and then we didn't know what it was made out of. We just thought it was made out of wax. It smelled really funny. Okay. And we, um, they told us it was made out of beeswax, and no one touched it after that. <laughs> just left it. But then this is actually well, one of the nice. Yeah, this is actually <laughs> one of the nicer ones of the ones that we're listing as well. Yeah. But if you'd rather not eat it. Or stick it in your mouth. <laughs> it's also used in lip balm, lip gloss, eyeliner, hand creams. Yeah. So beeswax, it's it's really amazing. It's really versatile. It can be used for so many things. It's another reason we should look after our precious bees. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's change a little bit and go to E942 nitrous oxide. <laughs> so this one's a little bit different, but I had to include it. So nitrous oxide is also known as laughing gas. As inhaling it gives you a feeling of euphoria. So it's kind of a really happy kind of feeling, yeah? Yeah. Um, I don't recommend seeking it out, though. And it was used by the British Opera Cross during the 1800s when they had laughing gas parties. Laughing gas parties? Yes. Yeah. So it must be when it was first discovered. So here's a photo, yeah. like an old woodcut. <laughs> People having a jolly good time. But if you look in the background, look, there's skulls and skeletons on the wall. So it's quite topical for a Halloween. Today, nitrous oxide is seen as one of the World Health Organization's essential medicines, as it's a relatively safe anaesthetic used by doctors and surgeons. So if you go to the dentist Mm -hmm. to have a filling or something, you might be given some nitrous oxide. And going back to our food theme, if you're currently spraying squirty cream all over your Halloween treats, the chances are that this gas is used as the propellant in your can. And uh, one more thing, it can also be used in rocket motors <laughs> Yay. or car engines to help get more power. Okay, some other odd E numbers are E551, silicon dioxide, mm. aka sand. E172, iron oxide, also known as rust. <laughs> E175, gold. E252, potassium nitrate or saltpeter. And this is used as a preservative and is also in gunpowder. Gunpowder. <laughs> and made from animal poo. And one last thing, and I don't think this is in the E number as I couldn't find it anywhere, but there is a flavouring called castorenium. And what do you think that is extracted from? Where do you think they get castorenium from? I don't know. It's used um, to help enhance the flavours of raspberry tasting things. Any guesses? No. Beaver anal glands. <laughs> so somehow, and there's a picture of some. So somehow people discovered all these different things of these interesting flavours. <laughs> um, so how do you feel about eating sweets now? Okay. Do you have any of those? Um, I have all of them. Mmm. They still taste good. Refreshing. Uh, despite what we know. So when you're out trick-or-treating, so I've got a mouthful of sweet here. If you're out trick-or-treating, think about just what is in your food and what you're eating. Because it may surprise you where some of these flavours and colours and additives come from. Monster mayhem. It's Halloween trick or treat. Which monsters shall we meet? We've been joined by four monsters here in the studio, and we are going to rape them, and then they're going to fight to the death. 
That's right, this may seem a bit cruel, but monsters like fighting. So shall we introduce them? Number one. Cyclops. So what can you tell me about the Cyclops? Cyclops are large, one-eyed giants from Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. They are the children of gods. No way. <laughs> so I think they'll get a few extra bonuses there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, they live in caves near volcanoes. Yeah, actually, some of them lived near Mount Etna. Right, so there's yeah. three types of Cyclops and Greek mythology. Yeah, that's why they look quite red, I suppose. And they got their fly behind their back. Maybe they eat the Yeah, yeah, because they got the their thick skin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but they're brutal, violent, and savage. So, what sort of strengths or abilities do they have? They they got tough skin, like I said, and they're mm-hmm. big, and they'll probably be able to hit hard. Yeah. But the worst thing of all, they eat humans. Seriously? Yeah, they eat humans. So the one we've got in our studio with us here? No, no, don't worry, he's trained. Okay, good. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Number two. Werewolves. Werewolves are normal humans with a big secret. Every full moon they turn into vicious beasts, which are half man and half dog. Hmm. <laughs> Stories of werewolves are common throughout European folklore. That's right. There's many tales of lycanthropy going back to the 15 to 1700s. They're spread throughout all European mythology, which means there must be some truth in these stories. But how does lycanthropy spread? There's either a curse or a bite from another werewolf. So we're going to look out for them then? Yeah. And what if we find one? What, what, what do we do? How do you fight them? Well, they are vulnerable to silver, so we'll shoot them with a silver bullet. Number three. The undead. <gasps> what can you tell me about the undead? So, the undead are slow and dumb, but hard to kill. Okay, why is that? Is that because they're already dead? <laughs> yeah, they're already dead, so it's going to be like killing them again. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually found in hordes, so that's because they spread the virus. So. Maybe if they're slow moving or something, yeah. if they're a sissy or something. <laughs> yeah, at least you're not a real one. <laughs> not yet. Um, I see that. Yeah, so that's right. There's uh, different types of zombie. There'd be the undead. Yeah. Uh, there'd be maybe ones which would be from sort of some fungal spore that goes in and takes control of the bodies of their victims. Yeah. Um, some would be through magic, like voodoo in Haiti. Yeah. What do they eat? I mean, if they're undead, I mean, do they need food? Yeah, they eat human brains. Seriously? Human okay. brains. Um, it's a good job we've got a copy of the Zombie Survival Guide here, isn't yeah. it? Number four. Vampires. <laughs> Most cultures around the world have vampire-like stories, but the classic vampire Dracula comes from Transylvania. That's right. Like werewolves have many stories around the world, so do vampires, which really makes me believe that these are true creatures. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't have all these stories if they weren't out there, particularly nights like Halloween. <laughs> yeah, Halloween's coming up. What do you think we'll see? <laughs> Definitely vampires. Yeah. So, what do they eat? What do they feed on? They feed on blood. Mostly human blood, though. And from the neck, because that's the main blood flow up to your head. And how long can they live for? They can live for hundreds of years. 
hundreds. Hundreds. But you can kill them by um, stabbing a wooden stake into their chest. Right, so is there anything else they can do? Uh, yeah, they can turn into bats to fly into bedrooms. Fly <laughs> 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 into bedrooms. Is that to... for a sleep? No, it's to make someone fall asleep forever. Oh, you so mean? To bite, yeah, to bite. Yeah, to bite them. Okay, I'll be looking out for yeah. these tonight. I'm definitely closing my bedroom window. Again. Again, yes. <laughs> so you've now met all four of our monsters, and that's the end of the first part of our Halloween special. Where in the next episode, they'll be entering the arena to do battle to find out which is the strongest, most deadly and dangerous monster there is this Halloween. To be continued.